0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, it's part two of our offseason winners and losers series. Our Hoops Hype salary cap expert and my co-host, Yossi Goslin joins me. And we're going to break down the offseason winners on this podcast, including the Knicks, the Wizards, Heat, Bulls, and more teams as well. I'm going to share some news from sources around the league. I'll sprinkle in some thoughts from NBA execs and scouts here and there. And Yossi and I will tell you why these teams are positioned to improve looking ahead towards uh, next season. And and Yossi, I think the first team to start off with, I would go with the New York Knicks right now in no particular order just in terms of who improved. But, um, you know, the Knicks – they're trying to light up MSG like Times Square on New Year's Eve again, and I think they improved this offseason. I, I like getting Evan Fournier. I think was an upgrade over Reggie Bullock, and they they were able to bring back guys too, and Derek Rose and Alec Burks. Obviously, you've also got the addition of uh, Kemba Walker in the backcourt to share time with with Derek Rose. Um, you know, in bringing Nerlens back. Uh, I was told Nerlens Noel wasn't promised the starting center spot, but he'll certainly have a chance to compete for it, and he'll definitely play meaningful minutes in New York's rotation. And you know, with Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose, should be a nice point guard tandem. I I would expect Walker to start with Rose coming off the bench as a contender for the league six man of the year award, like he did last year. And um, you know, RJ Barrett is a guy who in our rankings and our hoop type shooting guard rankings came in, in the top 10. And I think he's going to take another step forward in his development, uh, looking ahead this season. So, I mean, Yossi, when you look at the Knicks and and their off season, uh, what were your initial impressions?
1: Well, they did certainly improve, but it's weird because they certainly did get better, but, a lot of the other teams in that tier also got better so you know you got the nets Bucks, sixers hawks Heat. i think those teams are locks and then after that you got the knicks celtics pacers bulls one of those teams my one of these nine teams aren't going to make the playoffs which is pretty insane so i'll be interested it'll be interesting to see if the knicks while i think they did improve the team so did the rest of the east can't say they're a lock to make the playoffs yet but I feel pretty good about them. Um, you mentioned the how New Orleans wow, you don't, might not not But
0: You don't think they're a lot to make the playoffs. That's interesting to me.
1: I Well, between – yeah, between New York, Boston, Indiana, Chicago. Like if you – you know, I don't want to get on a tangent there, but these are the teams that the Knicks are going to be fighting with. One of those teams can't make the playoffs. Like they'll be in the play-in, but one of those teams are not going to be able to make it. And I think they're all pretty similarly – Position right now. Interesting. Um,
0: now, nah, what? Well, I mean, I guess for me, it was just like they had guys that they, they brought back the core of the team more or less, and some of their younger guys should get better. I, I I think they can take another step. I don't know if they're a four or five seed in the East like they were last year. Uh, it was a weird season, certainly, but I mean, I I'll say this: I think if the Knicks didn't make the playoffs this year, I think that that would be a disappointment. For them and and and, and around the league,
1: I mean, between that group, I would say I feel best about the Knicks, uh, but uh, it'll be close. It will be interesting to see exactly what happens. Obviously, there's gonna there could be things out of their control, but I like their coaching. I think they have the depth. So and uh, you did mention I I like how you mentioned how Nerlands he's gonna have a chance to start. It's interesting how with Tibbs, it doesn't really matter if you start like. You got Nerlens Mitchell Robinson, Taj Gibson. I, you know, they can all start on a certain given night. Kemba and Rose, that's another tandem right there. Like, I would imagine Kemba's going to start, but I don't really think it matters too much who starts there. And the end tip is going to do his thing. Um, now, I mean, as far as their offseason, they're definitely winners. Wasn't a perfect offseason, but they actually did a lot better than I thought they would. A lot of it... Comes largely from the surprising Kemba buyout and the subsequent si- signing. I thought that was the most surprising, shocking move the entire offseason. I did not see that coming. Did not think OKC would do something like that. Uh, they've been stashing these veterans and then trading them later. So maybe they miscalculated his market. Maybe they they and the severity of his knee issues. So two years, 18 mil for Kemba. That's an absolute steal. Uh and as long as he's active, that's that's he's already gonna hit value right there. And the other signings, they brought back all their core guys, Nerlens, Burks, Rose. Uh they they I really like the Fournier signing. He's a definitely a meaningful upgrade over Bullock. When the all those deals got announced, they all seemed a bit rich, but then as the details came out, there's team options on the end. And there's some incentives to make the, the salaries not as high as as reported. So I like the deals. And the Knicks, they structured all these contracts in a way to potentially reset things in 2023. They can decline all these players' team options. So they, if they want to change direction, then they could do that then. But in the meantime, most likely any significant change will probably come through a trade especially after the Randall extension. I'm sure Barry will get an extension next off season. Um, So I think there'll be a, I would just say from here on forward, just like with most teams in the league, any, the Knicks should be pretty active in the trade market later.
0: Yeah. And I mean, another team in the East that I think we can say upgraded uh, was the Washington Wizards. And now they're a team that's looking to solidify themselves as a playoff team. And, you know, but, Spencer Dimwitty certainly thinks that uh, they can be that type of a playoff team, and he was excited uh, to pair with Brad Beal, and he's really uh, excited about Rui Hachimura's future. I mean, uh, I have reported some of that stuff on Hoopsite previously um, earlier in the offseason, but I think Spencer, you know, keep this one under your hat, folks, but I think Spencer Dimwitty is going to be trying to – at least in his mind, try to go for like an all-star spot this year. Um, you know, Spencer felt like when Kyrie was out and he was starting that he should have been in the mix for an all-star berth um, at that time. And now uh, he's going to get the keys to the offense in Washington alongside Bradley Beal. I'm excited to see uh, what he can do, and I think also for Washington the, the trade for Russell, the the trade of Russell Westbrook, and getting. Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, KCP, uh, folks. I, I don't think this is some form of hocus pocus for the Wizards. You know, I, I think they've actually got some uh, uh, a real chance to be a playoff team on paper when you look at them. And I and I know Yosi touched on earlier in the in the pod that other teams, you know, like the Boston, Chicago, Indiana, you know, these is going to be competitive this year, but. Um, You know, the I'll say this: Washington needs to be a playoff team because, um, you know, now when you talk to executives around the league, all eyes are centered on Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, and Zach Levine as the guys that rival executives are keeping tabs on as the next potential star who could be moved. So, you know, Washington on paper, I think they upgraded, and the proof is going to be in the pudding soon, but. I think they're going to need to. You know, on paper, they've done some things that you would think would position them to keep Bradley Beal, but time will tell.
1: Yeah, I agree that the Wizards, the talent wise, I don't think they deviated that far from last offseason. They may have lowered their ceiling by trading Westbrook, but their floor should be the same. They're so deep at every position. So they should be right in the mix for a playing spot still. Um, now, look, like the Westbrook trade. By doing this trade, the Wizards Wizards got something they haven't had in a really long time, and that's just flexibility. And they've kind of been stuck with a lot of big contracts since they signed Ian Mahimi. After that came the John Wall Supermax. Otto Porter got a big contract. The Wizards just been handcuffed all these years. And now that they're able, now that they've they've essentially turned John Wall into multiple mid size salaries they've really opened up their roster building possibilities so yeah the wizards might not have improved their team that much they may have in the short term really just kind of stayed the same but in the this trade was about the long run and they want to build a team properly around bradley beal now they can actually do that and they have in the past they just had so many challenges just like filling up the roster spots while staying under the tax stuff like that. And they don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. Uh, And, you know, you mentioned all eyes will be on Bradley Beal and Zach Levine. We just talked about the bulls, you know, the free agency market next offseason is not going to be good. I'm just because of that. I would, I would think most likely these guys are going to end up staying with their teams. They can, they're, they're gonna get just as much money to stay with them than they were to sign a max contract elsewhere. So uh, I think the Wizards are definitely in a much better spot as long as uh, Beal does commit to them. Um, and I really do love the Dinwiddie addition. He should be fantastic for them. Um, they got him on a great deal too. Like I thought he, he got a little less years and guaranteed money than I expected he'd get. So they're in a just because. They're in this real flexible position. This is why everyone's really high on what they've done this offseason. season, and uh, I think the Dinwiddie acquisition is really underrated right now. I'll be rooting for him to get that one dollar incentive. <laughs> that was one of the funniest uh, things, and yeah. I mean, you know, I'm
0: sure a lot of people really wondered what went into that, but honestly, it was just something to have fun with. Um, that Dinwiddie. Yeah, it yeah, that Dinwiddie and his agent, Jason Glushon thought um, would just be a funny thing to do and, and to have fun with it. Um, there were uh, you know, I had tweeted and got reported in the side Rumors section the the full incentives on Dinwiddie. But there's a lot of stuff in there for whether it's the second round, Eastern Conference Finals and whatnot. But, um, you know, time will tell what their ceiling is going to be. Um, another team in the East that – improve their ceiling. I think somewhat dramatically, uh, the Miami heat adding Kyle Lowry to me puts Miami back in contention to try to reach the finals again. And I loved the PJ Tucker addition. I think that he's the type of Miami heat player that fits their culture, especially on defense. Uh, I think, uh, PJ Tucker and Jimmy Butler are going to be two peas in a pod, as they say. Um, I, I love that fit with the two of them together, and I think it's going to pose uh, opposing defenses nightmares at night with with them trying to lock up guys. And um, you know, you, you, you know, you touched on like flexibility and stuff too with with the Wizards now, uh, Miami got a little creative in trying to make this happen and and then getting Lowry there. They they did have to give up Dragic and Precious Sanchua, who, uh, you know, Toronto always liked him. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens to Dragic on the back end there. But to me, those additions of Lowry and Tucker um, and then paired with Jimmy and, and you got Bam, who's, you know, in the prime of his career right now. I just think they're going to be a contender in the East. And I I, I think, um, you know, I, I like it short term right now. I'm sure knowing you as well as I do, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on Jimmy Butler's contract extension. But right now for this season, I think Miami really took a step forward.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned that Miami got a little creative. They certainly did. As far as enabling to get Lowry and PJ Tucker, definitely seems like they did their free agency ahead of free agency. They uh, the decision to exercise Dragich when they did, and then Woj's reporting that he and Achua would be in the package spelled some sort of tampering. But nonetheless, the sign and trade was great maneuvering for them because they were set to generate 27 million in cap space. And they could have offered that to Lowry outright. And he ended up getting that salary, basically. But by keeping Drogic and uh, including him in a sign and trade, they, include, they lose Precious. But uh, the sign trade allows them to keep their full MLE. And they use most of it to sign P.J. Tucker. So they were already in a position where they were going to fill the rest of the roster with minimum guys anyways. So it just made sense. So, okay, you take the hard cap, but you're still going to fill the roster with minimum anyways. Might as well try to get another really good guy in P.J. Tucker instead of just getting Kyle Lowry. So that, I think, made, made a lot of what Miami did a lot more worth it. So, uh, yeah, Lowry, Tucker, great additions. Uh, not a perfect offseason for the Heat, though. Uh, you did mention the Jimmy Butler extension. I did not like that. Um, you I get why they gave it to him, but I think that it's going to hurt them in the back end. He'll earn $51 million at age 36. So, uh, you know, obviously they don't have to worry about that now, but that'll just be something to monitor down the line. And I mean, the other thing is that when you fill the roster with minimum guys, you know, uh, can't fully depend on every single guy you're going to get in. It feels like the Heat are also going to be, a, they could be short on some nights, especially if injuries occur. And it uh, doesn't help that they brought back Haslam, who's, you know, going to just, he's taking a spot and Oladipo's Depot's not quite ready yet. But, you know, if he comes back and he's healthy, that's obviously a massive addition. Uh, getting him back on the minimum is amazing because he has his, they'll have his bird rights. So if he does really well, they can pay him properly next year. But as far as this year, they certainly are well positioned to make a, to get back into having a deep run and maybe they could get back to the conference finals again.
0: And I think that's certainly a possibility. I don't know if Milwaukee and Brooklyn and Philadelphia uh, are going to have anything to say about that, but time will tell on that. And, you know, keeping it rolling in the East. You know, no, uh, no offense to the West, no offense, but uh, right right now we're just we're just on a roll with these teams that have improved in the East, and might as well uh, keep it in in that section. But the Chicago Bulls also, on paper, improved that team uh, pretty much in terms of just overall talent, and I think um, I'm not. I'm not fully in love with all of it because to me, you know, DeMar DeRozan in the sign and trade, um, I, I just felt like he got paid more than I thought he was going to get because I don't really know where the rest of the market would have been for him. And it seemed like he was getting squeezed and then the sign and trade just comes and and the price kept going up and up. And I, I was a little unsure why, but, you know, granted, you know, you make a bigger sign and trade and then you got bad young going out. But, um, you know, once one NBA scout, I asked one NBA scout that I trust his opinion, what he thought of, uh, the bulls this season. And it kind of summarizes the way I feel. And, and the NBA scout said that they're going to be a seventh or an eighth seed. And it's a bunch of big names that don't fit together. And Pat Williams needs to take a leap for them to be really good. Uh, Yes, they upgraded the roster. Like Vooch and Levine were the pillars, and then now you get DeMar DeRozan. I didn't necessarily know if Levine and Vooch fit. And then now you got DeMar, and DeMar's not a guy that's going to spread the floor. I like DeMar. He's he's a nice player. does a lot of things. He can rebound, pass. He can obviously score. Uh, It's just the way he goes about it. I I think it's going to be an interesting chemistry fit with those three. And um, yeah, Pat Williams is going to need to really take a step forward for them, you know, Lowry, not being there, Markin, uh, they're going to lose shooting there, but uh, it's really up to Billy Donovan to make it work. And, you know, uh, just looking at the bulls for a second, a uh, couple of, a couple of things to note, uh, you know, with Lowry Markin, uh, there were really some intense talks over a five or six day period where Cleveland was discussing three second round picks and, then Chicago, Chicago was holding firm on wanting the first round pick, and then so Cleveland was able to get the first round pick from Portland for Larry Nance Jr. But then Chicago also wanted a second round pick on top of that, and then you know there was some frustration uh, from some parties involved. Like it seemed like the goalpost was being moved a little bit, but then um, you know, and and this is even dating back beforehand because Markin originally thought he was going to go to San Antonio on a three year deal as part of the Demar Derozan. Um, sign and trade. So, you know, uh, Lowry made it clear in, in that report with the, the Finland reporter, forgive me, I forget his name, but, um, you know, that in, in that report. And then he also had a conversation with Arturis privately where he expressed that he didn't want to be back. And now that that got done, um, to get that first round pick back for him, ultimately, uh, you know, Arturis got what he wanted Lowry got the fresh start. You know, seemed like it ultimately worked out for everybody. It just took a longer time. Um, and then uh, as a part of that, though, they lose um, Thaddeus Young in the deal. And, um, you know, the Athletic had reported now that the Suns have been eyeing him. Uh, one thing to keep an eye on, I'm not saying if this was a, a one-for-one deal or between these two teams, but uh, keep an eye on Jalen Smith who's been made available by the Suns, according to multiple executives uh, around the league, spoken with Hoops hype. So maybe Jalen Smith gets rerouted to a third team or um, they try to figure out something else. But but with the dad young talks and the Suns being involved, as reported by The Athletic, just something to keep an eye on. And one last thing, you know, regarding the Bulls, um, also keep an eye on, Uh, One name to keep an eye on is is free agent forward Paul Millsap because Bulls executive Arturis Karnasovas was with Millsap during their time together in Denver, and the biannual exception could be in play for Millsap in Chicago. Uh, Another forward who's gotten some interest from the Bulls among other teams, uh, particularly contenders this summer, is James Ennis as well. So keep an eye on that. Obviously, the Bulls are making a push to try to make the playoffs and make this team as competitive as possible, it seems, uh, going into next season.
1: Yeah, Millsap, I do really like that for Chicago. They do have the means to pay him a little more than other teams right now. Like you got the Warriors, and that's been linked to him. They can only offer the minimum. Uh, Chicago can offer that biannual. They also have that uh, uh, $5 million trade exception. So, They can get a little creative in terms of bringing him in. Um, Yeah, we'll be interested in seeing if the Suns can get that young. I imagine Sarge might also have to be involved, so we'll see if a Smith-Sarge type of package could get it done. Um, Overall with the Bulls, though, I I consider them a winner for one reason mainly, and that is that if if their goal was to give Zach Levine a reason to resign with them next summer, then they may have accomplished that. Uh, I I love most of what Chicago did. We'll get to the DeRozan signing in a bit, but I, just, I like just about everything they've done. I love the Lonzo Ball signing. Why New Orleans didn't make an effort to resign him really astounds me. Um, Chicago basically, they got him for free, just a couple of role players, so feels like they didn't really give up much to get him. Um, you mentioned the Laurie and transaction. Yeah, I like that they ended up getting a pick for him. I didn't think that would end up happening and everyone in that everyone got what they wanted. Lori got paid and the bulls got their picks and they get a flyer on Derek Jones jr. It will be interesting to see if the, if the promise of him could finally translate to a real consistent rotational piece. And he's got all the opportunity in Chicago, especially with their lack of defensive personnel uh, they can do some really interesting type of lineups with them. Um, Cruso on the MLE—that's very good value. I thought he might get the whole thing, but that's that's definitely good value. And I think the last year is not fully guaranteed. Uh, they certainly have a loaded roster with their guards and playmakers. I'll be interested in seeing how Kobe White fits into all this. You know, um, he's he can he's he's shown that he can score like really proficiently, but he's been pretty inconsistent over the past two years, but maybe he is like a glorified six man. And I think that's fine. And he'll definitely have the opportunity to feast on opposing benches. So I think, you know, no one's really talked about Kobe white. I think this could actually be a great opportunity for him. Um, now, so overall their offensive ceiling is it's super high right now. Um, it feels like the Bulls front office is trying to construct like a Nuggets-esque system here where you've got Vucevic who he's not Jokic but can do good amount of the things Jokic does and he's got a lot of firepower on offense. So uh, now the DeRozan signing might be the worst individual contract handed out this offseason. Uh three years, 85 mil. Uh, You're asking, you know, who are they, why they give that to him? Who are they bidding against? It seems like I guess the only team they were bidding against was San Antonio because I always felt that DeRozan was going to come back on like a one-year deal for around the same amount he's making right now. So maybe that's what Chicago was uh, competing against. I don't know. Uh, So, and then they also gave up a pick, a first-round pick, I believe two second round picks and Thaddeus Young to get him, which seems like an overpay. So, the combination of the contract and the transaction is a big demerit, but I like everything else they've done. So, I would still consider them a winner this offseason, especially since, like I mentioned, next offseason is going to be very boring, it's going to be very few cap space teams. So, they're definitely in the driver's seat to re sign Zach Levine right now. Um, but I was mentioning you got that Knicks, Celtics, Pacers, Bulls group. Uh, One of these teams probably won't make the playoffs. I feel definitely the least strong about uh, Chicago making the playoffs in that group, mainly because of their complete lack of defense compared to those other teams.
0: Yeah, I just, I I don't know. I looked at, I'll tell you one thing. I'm getting this off my chest. Like, some people also compare, like, Vooch to Dirk as a shooter. I, I swear I've seen this sometimes, and I'm kind of like, we need to pump the brakes. Not tap the brakes, like, full-on, like, pump the brakes. Like, you're driving on the Belt Parkway in Brooklyn, and you're, like, about to, like, hit the traffic. Like, we need to pump the brakes on that. I like Vooch. Dirk Nowitzki's an all-time great. Vooch, you know, been an all-star a few times. Again, no offense, no disrespect, just saying – I, when I see that sometimes, uh, it makes my blood boil almost as much as like a pot of coffee. Um, but in any event, just want to get that off my chest. But I also would say that yes, they, they have improved on paper. It's just going to be interesting. It, it, it's like they've got just so many ingredients in a pot of stew here and they're just stirring it up. I'm curious to see how it goes. I do think the Alonzo Ball signing was interesting for them, and I, I do like that um, Caruso going there. Um, it's going to be almost weird to see him not in a Lakers uniform, um, but intrigued by that. Kobe White, I do think is going to be a guy coming off the bench that uh, is a good six man, or, or you know, could be a guy that maybe they look to move down the, the line, and then another team looks to capitalize on him. Um, but you know, for me personally. Another team that I thought improved on paper, and I know that they've gotten a lot of flack because they're older, but to me, the Los Angeles Lakers improved um, on paper. Uh, again, you're going to have some chemistry questions there. Uh, you know, with Russell Westbrook, AD, and LeBron, is that trio going to fit together? Um, I do think them losing Jared Dudley behind the scenes is something that's kind of being overlooked a little bit. You know, Jared Dudley told me he was either going to go back to the Lakers or he was going to retire. That came to fruition. He wasn't looking at anywhere else uh, to go play and certainly wish him the best going to the Dallas Mavericks with Jay Kidd, uh, Greg St. Jean, And, and, you know, essentially like his Lakers family just relocated to Dallas a little bit. I think coach Jared Dudley is going to be awesome and a, a fun assistant, but, um, you know, behind the scenes, you know, Rajan Rondo joked today that uh, he was the oldest guy on his last team. And now he feels like he's in the bottom five in terms uh, and he's one of the younger guys. And, and I got a kick out of that. But, um, you know, the, and even the guys that are being linked there, like so DeAndre Jordan's been linked there. Uh, I think that was on ESPN or in a podcast. And, um, you know, so I, I was texting with an Eastern Conference executive about it. And the executive texted me. I hope the Nets buy him out so he can join the Lakers AARP squad. Better yet, the L A A R P. I've never <laughs> seen. I've never seen a roster like this. And I got such a kick out of that because I, I, I. And you know, Rajon Rondo talked about it too. That they are just all the naysayers about them being older, but they do have experience. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I just think like. Showtime Lakers with Russell Westbrook, that's back. Um, You know, I know right now Kevin Love hasn't been talked about in a buyout, but if he did, it wouldn't shock me if down the line Kevin Love was talked about with the Lakers because he and Russell Westbrook played together at UCLA. Um, I do think the Lakers and the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, are a buyout market destination for veterans coming up. This season, because they're going to be two of the main title contenders uh, and maybe a handful of select other teams, depending on the role um, that they can offer. But I like it. I Because to me, it's like at the end of the day, you put the stars on the floor, you roll the ball out and they figure it out. Um, you know, they also like made I, and I know like Russell Westbrook's the main thing, but like the bench, you're going to have Kendrick Nunn. You're going to have Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, the rotation rather. You're going to have Taylor Horton Tucker. You're going to have Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Ken Bazemore's there as well. Um, you know, I I just think like it's incredible to me that they got a lot of these guys, um, some of these veteran guys, on on minimum deals. Not not referring to Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick, none who got more obviously, but um, you know, it just shows you that when you're a popular destination, people are going to go there. The money's not going to matter. Um, so to me, I like the Lakers. Um, I know you being out there in L.A. I'm, I'm kind of curious your take, if you agree with me or not on this,
1: because I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back a little bit, Mike. Uh, I, I can't Are you going to push back or are you going yeah, to shove? Huh? Are you going to push back or are you going to shove? I'm going to push back my – I, I don't you'd want more you to it man. for a shove, but I might have to use my elbow a little bit, but it's, it's a gentle <laughs> pushback. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I can't say yet if they're winners or losers. I, I can't really decide yet. Uh, they certainly are winners in terms of, you know, offseason headlines. But, I mean, as far as what's going to happen, I'm just – I need to wait and see. Um, with the Dudley stuff, I mean, that's I, – I was kind of – like last season when they brought him back, I thought that was a little weird because I'm – it made sense to bring, in, bring him in in, like, some other capacity, and they brought him to fill one of the roster spots. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't going to change their outcome last year, but now they did have an opportunity to bring him back as an assistant, and they didn't, and I'm pretty sure the Lakers still have some assistant spots to fill, so I don't know what happened there. Um, now, like, the big thing is the Westbrook trade, Um Look, it's it's still a pretty big risk right now. And if it doesn't work, I, I don't think anyone's really thought about, like, what would happen if it doesn't work. Because if it doesn't work, it's it's a disaster because for what it means for the rest of the roster, you can't really do anything else. You traded three uh, very tradable salaries consolidated in the Westbrook. So you'd have them for another year if things don't work out. Uh, I don't there's really not there's not really another thing you could do after that. Um, you know, he's, he's still one of the worst volume three point shooters can't, hasn't really proven he could do much off the ball. Um, so, you know, yeah, he's extremely talented, but I, I, I just, you know, I'm going to wait and see him I just need to see how he fits, but at the same time, it might take a really long, like it might take for me until the playoffs to, to, to be sold because I'm expecting the Lakers to have a really strong regular season because uh, Westbrook's built for that. Uh, time and time again, he's helped teams. Uh, he's raised teams' floors during the regular season. So just until the playoff starts, I'm uh, going to be skeptical as far as the fit. Um, I mean, in, in the minimum signings, like, I get the the value in getting all these specific guys on minimum contracts, but, um, but per, like personally, I'm not a big fan of having – like, filling up a roster – that heavily on stars and then just minimum contracts the rest of the way. Um, the one guy I think you can say was an absolute steal and is going to uh, can close and play 25 minutes a game is Kent Bazemore based on what he did last year. Uh, every other guy, like I, I get why well, they're great as minimum signings, but like just if you're looking for nine or 10th men, Monk certainly has a lot of the most upside out of that group. Uh, if he could play 20 to 25 minutes a night, that would be really massive for the Lakers. Um, so I'll be interested in seeing what happens if their bench isn't panning out very well, if they feel that like the bench isn't giving them enough, because their only real tradable salaries this year is Taylor Horton-Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, Marcus We'll see if Marcus Gasol even is on the roster by then. Um I wouldn't be shocked if maybe midseason they combine these guys in a trade for another good starter, maybe throwing a pick to get it done. And then uh, you know, the Lakers, being the Lakers, like you mentioned, they're always going to be an attractive destination for for players that get bought out. I'm sure they'll be active during the trade after the trade in line for some bought out players. So, you know, if you can replace some of those roster spots that way. Uh so look, I'll all I'm saying is that I'm a lot of people are locking in the Lakers for the finals. I'm not totally there yet. I think they're definitely a slight favorite over everyone else right now, especially given some of the injuries to uh, the Clippers and Denver. Um, And, you know, and with, but with that said, honestly, like none of my objections may even matter because if LeBron is still the goat and AD is healthy That's, that could be enough. Like I thought the 2020 roster was terrible and they still won. So, uh, you know, I've got my objections, but as long as those two are doing their thing, it could be enough. You
0: know, you mentioned too, a little bit about Gasol. Um, you know, DeAndre Jordan was linked there as I touched on a little bit and, you know, it's interesting because with DeAndre Jordan, um, Multiple executives have told Hoops Hype that the Nets have offered DeAndre Jordan in a future first-round pick swap um, and trade talks. And then you see the report um, from The Athletic about him being in potential buyout discussions. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. And kind of swings us uh, into a nice transition for some teams that kind of kept some guys that uh, just by keeping them like they've, they've done well. And the Nets were able to do that and get the extension with Kevin Durant. But, um, before we get to that, just, you know, in some other news regarding the Nets, um, it, it seems the team could have some interest in former lottery pick Stanley Johnson. Um, he's been around team members and staff out in Southern California, uh, and he's working out with those guys, uh, who hype has learned. So, uh, you know, again, as Teams look to fill in the back end of the rosters, just some some news and notes from around the league. But uh, you know, getting Kevin Durant locked up, I think, cannot be understated. Um, you've got a guy who came back from injury and looked phenomenal, as efficient as we've ever seen the guy. Kyrie Irving, a 50-40-90 guy, uh, you know, they're going to try to get him locked up. James Harden, if that guy doesn't get hurt – uh, you know, again, all due respect to Milwaukee. I think uh, the Nets are in the finals. I think Mike Budenholzer would be looking for a new job, and Rick Carlisle could have ended up there. Uh, but folks, you know, life uh, is not a game of what if. It's about what is and what is not. And ultimately, that didn't happen. But uh, even like some of the younger guys they got, like Cam Thomas, is a bucket. Um, you know, I think that. It's going to be interesting to see. And by the way, spoke to Cam Thomas before, uh, before the draft. So if you want to learn more about him, uh, he's on a Hoopside podcast episode with me. We did a one-on-one chat there. Be sure to check that out. Um, but, you know, getting Patty Mills and, and, and bringing back Blake Griffin. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I thought losing Jeff Green was a little tough. Um, Cause he was so good for them last year. Um, but you know, I, I think if get just getting Kevin Durant already to extend is huge. If they get the rest of the big three. Um, that's just a grand slam for Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets.
1: Yeah, Brooklyn, the biggest thing for them locking up their big three. They already locked up KD. I'm if I had to bet, I think there's a very strong chance that they end up uh locking up Kyrie and Harden as well. Uh one one thing I I one very small transaction that I really liked about Brooklyn is the Javon Carter trade. They got a first round pick alongside him in DeRon Sharp with uh for Landry Shamit. Um Javon Carter he I remember he played really well in the bubble for Phoenix and then they brought him back and but then campaign just was just too good and I mean Javon had a bit of a down year last year, but He's secretly, maybe he's better than Landry Shaman. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, so And they brought in Patty Mills. I thought that was the best MLE signing of the offseason. And he's going to be massive for them. They now have two very high-quality backup point guards in him and uh, Javon Carter, uh, which they lacked last year once, uh, especially with Dinwiddie injury. They had to stagger Harden and Irving completely pretty much. Uh you mentioned losing Jeff Green. Yeah, that hurts. Uh but they still got Griffin back on the minimum who, you know, they do a lot of same things together. Uh but it'll be interesting to see just how much they get from James Johnson to replace Green because with James Johnson, he's a guy where like you don't know what he's wherever he every stop he makes, you don't know what he's going to give you, but when he fits in and he's playing well, he can be really productive. So, uh, yeah, just the Javon Carter signing uh, trade, um, James Johnson, uh, two very low-key moves. I, I'm i a little higher than on in, than most.
0: And, you know, another guy that re-signed in the offseason that I think made some waves, and in a way you could – it was a bit of a shock. It was a little bit of a longer term deal than people thought. And you can make a case that that team is a winner in the offseason. As a result of that is the Los Angeles Clippers getting Kawhi Leonard to resign long term. Uh, I think a lot of people thought he would do, you know, one plus one and hit the market again. But getting a long term deal for him, uh, he almost, I mean, Yossi, you can speak to this much better than I can. This is your uh, wheelhouse, but didn't he kind of, give up a little bit of money there, leave a little bit of
1: money on the table by doing that? Yes and no. He de- like he could have signed next offseason for like five to something. I already forgot what the number is. But uh, starting in two years from now, Kawhi will be extension eligible again. And that will kind of offset whatever uh, – whatever he was going to miss out already. Like I, I think he may still lose a little bit, but this he'll be able to extend in two years and he could add five, uh an additional three. I, I don't know. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now or the years, but he'll be able to extend and make up a lot of that money back. Um Yeah. I mean with the Clippers getting Kawhi back for at least three years, that's great. You don't have to worry about the, threat of him potentially leaving or uh, him putting pressure on the organization. They could just focus on putting the best team around them, around him. Um, Other than that, though, I really like how they invested, how much they invested in the draft. Uh, The Clippers, they are low on draft picks after the Paul George trade. And while they, you know, the guys that they got in this draft, they're not lottery picks, but they got to, they got to get every, take a chance on every guy they can get. And every young player, you know, just got to get as many shots that uh, a young guys they can possibly get right now to try to make up for some of these lost picks. Uh, if one of these guys pan out, that's, that's great. Um, Winslow, very low risk addition. Uh, not crazy about the Bledsoe trade for them. They, lo- they saved a ton of money now, which, I mean, money's not really an issue for the Clippers but they also lost the best player in the deal in my opinion in Patrick Beverly. and now they have a little less tradable salary for a potential consolidation trade later but i mean they're overall the they're still in, they're in basically the same position that they were before that trade so uh yeah hopefully just one of these young guys they really pan out and i think that w- that would be a really underrated part of their offseason
0: trying to think if there was any other teams that um you know had a winning offseason um i guess you can make a case certainly for uh the milwaukee bucks um i know they lost pj tucker but keeping bobby portis um he definitely left some money on the table in my opinion i I thought he could have got more um but hey he loved milwaukee and um you know he wanted to stay so uh I think they'll be in position to be a contender again. I know I know privately you like some of the moves they had in the offseason.
1: Yeah, with Milwaukee, it's it's funny because every offseason they'll like lose someone pretty important, but they somehow just they it doesn't matter. Like they somehow make it work regardless. Like when they lost Malcolm Brogdon, I mean it, they ended up winning the championship still anyways. So uh, you know, now they lost PJ Tucker which, you know, doesn't look good, uh, especially if he's still the same guy as he was during the finals. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's really hard to replace a guy like him anyway. There's very few guys that are, that have his skill set. but I do like a lot of the other things they did. I love that they got Grayson Allen. I, I don't think, I think they got him at a very reasonable price. And I like him a lot more than Bryn Forbes, who they also lost. Um, so now they have two really good options at shooting guard, him and DiVincenzo. Getting Bobby, Porti, Bob, getting Bobby Portis back on his non-bird amount is huge because that allowed them to keep their MLE, and they they were able to use that to bring back George Hill, who was very important for them two years ago. And, uh, you know, they're pretty – I would say they're fairly deep at guard. Um might not have a good they still don't you know they didn't have a good rim protector last off season they still don't now, but I think like you might not love you don't have to love the roster right now, but i'm i just i'm done doubting them especially with bud like he's he just makes it work somehow i I wasn't a fan of how of their bench how it came out last off season especially after getting hard capped from um uh, being hard capped and being limited after the Drew Holiday trade, but it worked in the end. It still worked. Yeah, they were a little lucky, but as far as the product, it still worked on the floor. You know what?
0: Uh, oh, man, I'm trying to remember this guy's name, but it's a Paisan in Brooklyn. Uh, Mario, this guy, Mario, he says, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They won. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They won. Their luxury tax bill, all the, you know, it, don't matter. You win a title, you hang it up. That's all that matters. So, um, I do think Milwaukee gave themselves, uh, a good chance to compete again for a trip to the NBA finals and to potentially win another one. Uh, Giannis is living his best life. God bless the kid. Happy to see it. Um, and you know, we touched, Yose, we touched on a lot of teams that improved and I'm sure you can make a case, uh, for some others, but for now, uh, That's pretty much our time on this episode on the Hoops High podcast. A lot of teams improved. Excited to see uh, if it comes to fruition for them heading into the season, which, you know what, sneakily is coming up before you know it. And Yossi, on behalf of you, I want to thank everyone else for tuning in. And if you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up on my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi, too, uh, for his up-to-date salary cap knowledge, and tweets, and in his header, too. He's got the spending power for each team. I certainly go to the page and check it uh, pretty much every day. Anytime I'm talking with guys about rumors and stuff around the league. His handle is at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.